going on, everybody? It's your buddy. It's your pal, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Rally Check, and this is your AEW Collision review for July, what is it, 22nd, 2023? Um, I'm going to say this right off the bat because people were saying it on social media. People said it in a couple of comments with me and all that kind of thing. I really like Collision. I think there's been some gangbuster shit going on on Collision last week specifically with the uh, 2 out of 3 falls match and the finals of the Owen and as we'll talk about later on we've got some really cool stuff coming up next weekend on Collision. This one was a middle. This one was a you know let's get to next week. This one was a, a go home show to what's going to be a better show. This one can only be now, stuff happened, don't get me wrong, but that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make here in my very wordy way. This whole episode was stuff just happening. Um, I believe it's uh, Michael Hamflit from What Culture that described a lot of Raw shows a couple years ago as wrestling just happening in front of you, which is an apt uh, description for what was going on at the time. This was not just wrestling, this was just stuff happening in front of me. Um, none of it bad though, so I can't I can't go two-footed on on burying it because none of it was really bad. Some of it was interesting, but just nothing nothing really set it on fire. So I gotta be I gotta be measured right off the bat. I've been enjoying Collision and yes some of that is bias. CM Punk actually getting a platform once again after AEW Tony Khan and the Elite fucked him over. Yes my bias is what it is but the show has genuinely been pretty good including the one that I was at um this one was was kind of middling and if I don't if I don't uh, make that point clear then my praise last week and my assuming praise next week will have no real value will it so I have to I have to come out and saying this was a very middle of the road episode and it kind of started off like an episode of Monday Night Raw with a big old promo segment um the other thing I was gonna say before I started I didn't know what to expect of, on this show, and I didn't even know if I was going to be doing a review of this show because they hardly advertised anything for this show. I don't even. I think, I think the Bullet Club Gold match was announced ahead of time, and a whole lot of we'll hear from, we'll hear from, we'll hear from. But that's about it. Now, granted, I don't watch uh, Rampage anymore, which will feed into what we're going to talk about in a second. So maybe they announced it on Friday, but that's a day. That's one day of advertisement on the show that you know nobody watches anymore. Anyways, so, following on from last week, following on from the Owen Hart tournament and the way that Ricky Starks slash the AEW booking committee absolutely fucked over CM Punk, we have Tony Schiavone coming in there to interview Ricky Starks. And holy crap, is if we, if we speculated that he, he might be turning a touch heel last week, he had more pyro in this entrance than Edge had when he was in the height of the rated R superstar. I've got my whole collection of people around me, and he would do the 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 rock on hands and sit there for like you know what's what felt like twenty seconds of pyro. This was a lot more. This was on the ramp. This was going down the ramp. This was while he was still in the ring. This is Tony Schiavone looking at him like he was a fucking tool, which I thought was great. Um, he says, "Why is anybody still?" 
talking about last week, I just, I did what I had to do by any means necessary. When people look back at it years from now, it's only going to say that I won the Owen. Nobody's going to remember how. Nobody's going to remember my foot on the poor rope or my hand on the poor rope or whatever the case may be. And that's fine. Uh, starts talking about what he has next on the platform. People can say whatever they want about me, whether they like me, whether they hate me. They're all talking about me. And no, I don't want to be a pillar. I am no pillar. I stand on my own. And then he turned around immediately and uh, I think he said something to the effect of, well, what have, what have the pillars ever done? Uh, have either of them won an Owen Hart tournament? And it's just like, well, one of the pillars is the world champion right now and one's been a tag champ, one's been a TNT champ, and one's been a multiple-time TNT champ. So you're basically sitting there with the king of the ring in belt form in your hand and calling out the pillars all of whom have done more than you. So that really doesn't work. And I, I sound like I'm digging at Ricky Starks. I'm really not. But this, there wasn't much behind this. This was a very tick box, oh, by the way, I'm a heel now promo. Also, if you guys hear any loud noise behind me, it's because there's a thunderstorm going on right now. But this is the only time I have to record. So if that's coming through, I can only ask you to please ignore it. CM Punk comes down to the typical mixed reaction, and everybody this week has said, oh, well, they're not in Bizarro land anymore, so they're going to get the real Punk reaction now, and people are going to see how much people really hate CM Punk, and there's no love lost between the fans and the real AEW fans and CM Punk and all that kind of rhetoric. Mixed reaction, as it always is, but it got louder throughout the night, trust me. Um, says, I don't want you to think I'm here to rain on your parade. I'm not mad. I'm not here to... Uh, to pissing your cornflakes pretty much. This is your celebration. I actually want you I wanted to tell you that I'm really proud of you and you might be surprised by that, but God knows I've cheated in my life and then he turns to the fans and he says, "Look at all these people. You think they've never cheated at anything before?" which I thought was great. And he says, "Look, in in anybody else in your shoes, they might have done the same thing." And I want you to know right now, I'm not here to be angry at you. I'm not here for revenge on you. I'm here to ask you a question, though, because I know I can live with the loss. Can you live with the win? Can you live with the way you beat me? Can you live knowing that you can't actually beat me? He says, you want everybody sitting around talking about what's in my bag and whether it's real or not real. Do you want a shot at what's in my bag, or are you just like Max? Just want to remind the rest of the world that I am the real, undisputed... Uh, AEW champion. Now they're face to face. It's all good. You're, you, I, I have already done. I've already done up the thumbnail. You're going to see the nice face to face, serious Ricky Starks versus serious CM Punk and all that. And it's interrupted by, of all people, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus for reasons. He says, uh, "Don't." He doesn't want the crowd to be. Sorry, Christian Cage says, "I don't want the crowd to get too excited. I'm only here because I'm obligated to be here. I want to get out of here as soon as possible." And all this talking is taking way too long, Mister. Mr. Uh, CM Punk, Mr. Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks, how dare anybody carry around a title that they didn't earn, which is brilliant, because obviously he's got Luchasaurus' TNT title over his shoulder. And before he can say much more, out comes Darby Allen, And he says, I hate the term pillars. I hate the, the fact that people are still tossing that around. We are all pillars. And if anybody is a pillar, if anybody has stood up for AEW, it's my good friend CM Punk. 
He mocks Christian, he mocks Luchasaurus, and he reminds them that he apparently won the Royal Rampage, last eliminating uh, Swerve Strickland, if I'm not mistaken, and he's going to be challenging for the TNT title at all, either All In or All Out. I'm not sure those they're a week apart. It's fine. They're doing a weird thing with the pay-per-views. Um... He's coming back for the TNT title, but he's not here to talk. He's not here to talk about pillars. He's not here to argue over who's got what belt. He wants a tag team title match. And he says, how about me and Punk versus Starks and Luchasaurus? Or Christian, seeing as he seems to think he's the champion. So uh, Tony Khan gets into Tony Schiavone's earpiece while they're all standing in the middle of the ring. Tony Khan uh, gives the news to Tony Schiavone to deliver awkwardly in the ring as he sort of taps his ear as the universal sign of, I've got an earpiece in my ear. Um, you know, it's sort of one step away from being the anonymous Raw GM, but that's fine. We announced that we are going to have Darby Allen versus CM Punk, sorry, Darby Allen and CM Punk versus Ricky Starks and either Luchasaurus or Kristen Cage, whoever feels like being in the match, which is a little open-ended, but whatever. I love this because this was just like, oh, I've never seen that guy with that guy before. I've never seen that guy. But that guy did fight that guy one time. And you, you can sort of start drawing the, the threads together. The fact that CM Punk and Darby Allen are such obvious tag team partners after Darby Allen was given the dubious distinction of being CM Punk's first ever AEW opponent is really, really cool. So you've got all these things that seem like they're coming from four corners, but they don't. They're really not out of the, they're not out of pocket that much. Um... Starks and Punk clearly have an issue. Darby and uh, the conglomerate of uh, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus have an issue because he's going to be coming after the TNT title. Punk and Darby have an established friendship. So the only ones that are left out to dry are how are Christian Cage and Luchasaurus and Ricky Starks going to get along. It's, it's decided sometime, I believe, over the commercial break that it is actually going to be Christian Cage, which is funny because it means he's wrestling in his short-sleeved turtleneck again, which is awesome. And we've got our main event set for the night. Funny is, though is that this is all the shit that um, WWE gets pelted for a lot. Oh my god, it's a promo train. Oh my god, it's a promo train. Um, nothing more frustrating in real life than somebody constantly interrupting you. So a promo train is basically a series of interruptions. So whoever the first person in the ring is should be the most frustrated by the end of that segment. And it worked with Ricky Starks, who's this brand new, uh, brand newly minted heel character who's, who's out there with his glittery, you know... He's all blinged out. He's got his sunglasses. He brought out a Gucci bag for no reason other than to say, "Look at I, look at this. I brought a I bought a Gucci bag," and it was supposed to be his moment, his spotlight. Blah 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 blah, etc. And so many other people have taken the spotlight since he started that segment that he should be frustrated. Also, the other thing is as well is people are going to make the very boring argument of, "Oh well, if they hadn't happened to have this promo segment, what would the main event have been?" It, well, it still would have been this because it always was this because the writers write the story before the show actually happens. So before Collision started tonight, they already knew that the main event was going to be CM Punk versus or sorry, CM Punk and Darby Allen versus Ricky Starks and Christian Cage. They just didn't tell you yet, and that is okay. The people that always insist on knowing the entire show ahead of time. Now I know I just said a second ago that nothing was advertised for this show, and that's not good either. Throw one or two announcements out there. Leave yourself a wide berth for surprises. Leave yourself a wide berth so that the people that are watching ring up the people that aren't watching and say, holy fuck, they just announced this. You better tune in. That's cool. Because there's an immediacy to that. Here's an announcement. You're getting this tonight. You better stay tuned. Not, here's an announcement. Uh, sometime in September, we might fly to Afghanistan and Sammy Guevara might fight a donkey. 
get excited. It's not the same thing. It can work. Uh, we go back to a shot from earlier in the day where Andrade is not being allowed in the building because of all the uh, friction that he's had between himself and the House of Black over his mask, etc. We'll get into more of that um, later on. But also the House of Black are defending their trios championships tonight. So he has been banned from the building, which is another sort of bait and switch because we you, you thought for sure that he would in fact get involved with that and it would be a whole, you know, Steve Austin gets arrested but comes back by the end of the night thing and he just didn't and that's, that's a good bait and switch too. You know what's not a good bait and switch? Bullet Club Gold. Bullet Club Gold and as I say, yes, I'm biased towards the revival. They were part of the peak era of black and gold NXT. What they did with uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa at all, in all those takeover matches that they had elevated tag team wrestling more than some other people I could mention. Now, but here's the other thing. Juice Robinson is somebody that I've seen here and there. Uh, you know, I saw him a bit in Impact. I saw that he was part of the Bullet Club and he's come into AEW and he's done some stuff. Jay White I saw in Impact a lot when his version of the Bullet Club was running rampant on Impact and I really, really enjoy him. Uh, basically, a whole bunch of companies that are not WWE got me interested in these two guys. These two and FTR last week had, I'm going to say it, the best tag team match at least of 2023, if not longer. Um, so after that, what do you do? You downgrade them to the point that this week they have to take on Action Andretti, and let's be real for a second, one of the Martins. Whichever one's not broken this week. Like, fuck off with that shit. Huge, huge, huge step down for Bullet Club Gold. The jobbers do some flippy shit, and I'll be honest, I'm way more entertained by Juice Robinson's very, very bright neon green pants. But when he gets one of them down, I think it was Action Andretti, I'm not gonna lie, and he starts doing the snot rockets to him, that's always gonna pop me, because that is such simple, classic heel shit that it makes me smile a whole bunch. Now tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me how you do that trick, and tell me, tell me, tell me why it took five finishers for Bullet Club Gold, who were inches away from being the newly established best team in the company, took five finishers to put these fucking jobbers down and get the win. Obvious win, because I would be a lot more animated if they hadn't won. But also, oh, also on the side as well, they pinned Action Andretti, because God forbid we ever pin one of the Martins. It's like an unwritten rule in AEW lore. Just get the kid a hoodie and get it over with. Moving on to much, much brighter stuff. Much brighter subject matter. Willow Nightingale. I fucking love Willow Nightingale. Willow Nightingale, I've said it before and I still say it now. Um, she is the next incarnation for me of babyface NXT Bailey in her prime and you want her to win you want her to win everything she said I was so happy when she won the, when I heard that she had won the New Japan Strong Women's Championship yes partially because she beat Sasha Banks and Sasha Banks can fuck off but also because she's just she has an energy that fills the arena and I've seen her live now I can say that her energy fills the arena even if you don't know who she is which was the case the first time I saw her on an ROH pay-per-view that Guapo and I previewed a couple years ago, didn't know who the hell she was. Within five seconds, you want to hand this girl the world because she's got that much positive energy. So cool to see her uh, being featured so prominently, but she keeps being featured prominently in stuff that's not the actual title, if that makes sense. They, they did some highlights of her winning the Owen Cup, which was awesome. 
Um, now, it created a different problem because it means that uh, Ruby Soho is being booked as an also-ran in a third tournament for her now, which is kind of a bummer. That's a separate issue we want to tackle at a separate time. And then highlights from her match with Athena at ROH Death Before Dishonor for their women's championship. Now, she gets the distinction, along with Athena, of uh, being the first women to ever headline in an ROH show. Now, me not being a big ROH guy, I, I wouldn't have known that if they hadn't said it out loud, but that's pretty fucking cool too. My point being, Willow is this person that they, ha they know they have to give stuff to because they know she's over and they know people are really behind her, but they're giving her really token stuff like the Owen Hart tournament don't let me downgrade what the Owen Hart tournament is it's it's a it's a great thing it's a great way to remember Owen Hart the, the you know bring attention to the foundation Martha Hart comes out and does her bit and all that kind of thing it's very very cool but it is like I said with Ricky Starks it is the king of the ring in belt form it's not a title uh, they made big publicity of her winning the New Japan Strong Championship but that's not in the AEW context that's not them giving her a title they slid her down to ROH to face Athena for what's not quite an AEW title but still a very prominent match I I want to see Willow Nightingale in that prime spot in uh, I don't want to see her in any more spots where every every week when somebody was facing Jade Cargill when we when we tried to convince ourselves that Jade Cargill was a thing and it's like oh look at that Willow's got a shot she's not gonna win but that's kinda nice I want to see her in spots where it's like yeah it's her time she's gonna fucking crack it like when um, what's her name? Chris Statlander, who's also awesome. When she came back and she challenged uh, Jade Cargill on the night, we knew that she's a fucking star. She's walking into that match. She's walking out with that belt. I want to know that with Willow Nightingale in some situation, whether she's going against Statlander, which would be face versus face, which is kind of weird, or whether she's going up against Jamie Hayter, which I don't think will happen uh, until after they do Wembley. But I want to. I want. I want her to climb up those rings of the ladder. The other side of the coin is you've got Athena, who, Jesus Christ, I know this is going to piss off anybody that actually watches ROH, but fucking put Athena on AEW. Uh, that's, that's all I've got. There are certain people, and, I, and I'm not turning, I said this on Twitter, and I'm going to try and be brief about it here. I'm not saying this as a put this person in this company, put that person in that company, uh, this person should leave, this person should go to WWE, this person should go to AEW. I'm not saying it like that, but there are people that deserves big, sorry, there are people that deserve bigger audiences than they are getting. And I will give you two right now. Deanna Perrazzo, who just got fucked over by politics in, in Impact, let's have a separate conversation about that for a second. And you've got Athena, who's fucking awesome, but they've relegated her down to ROH. You know what I would love to see? And I'm not saying this as a put them in WWE. I'm not saying this as a put them in AEW. But give me a WrestleMania size crowd. Fill a stadium with a WrestleMania size crowd and give me Athena versus Deanna Prazo because I think the two of them deserve an arena chanting their name. Not, not, a, not a gymnasium. And that's really shitty and really reductive of me to say, but it's just true. Athena, we thought she was going to be saved. Because WWE, all credit to everybody that said this, WWE never used her properly. They were on the cusp of something really cool with the tag team with her and Shotzi that never really fully came to fruition. But they never really used her properly. The whole idea was going to be that she was going to be saved when she came to AEW. 
And yeah, they've they've relegated her to a show that you have to buy a separate streaming service to watch. And that's a bummer. And Diana Prazo, I'm sorry, I've I've always been a fan of hers. I'm gonna get to see her in a couple weeks at Destiny because she's taking on Jody Threat for the Destiny Women's Championship, and that'll be awesome for me, selfishly, uh, because I'm gonna be sitting front row in a much smaller than a hundred thousand seat venue uh, to see that happen. So selfishly, that's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be uh, a tick, a real tick box for me. But in general. Um, if I can say it, give Willow Nightingale something and get Athena and Diana Perrazzo, I know, different conversation, get them in front of huge audiences because they're so fucking good. Anyways, women's wrestling is fucking awesome. Somebody tell Tony Khan. Um, yeah, also, Britt Baker got a 30-second match on Dynamite. I know they were doing Blood and Guts, and I'm not even going to get into the conversation about Blood and Guts because that was kind of shit, but... They gave him a 30 second... They, they took the criticism that we already give Dynamite, that women only get one match a week, and they're like, how can we make it even shittier? I, I, I don't understand. I really, really just don't understand. Now, they usurped my expectations in the next thing, because the next graphic that came up was just Miro in action. Which, for most people that have been paying attention to AEW for any length of time, when they just say so-and-so is in action, it's usually a squash match. It's absolutely usually a squash match. They're going to come out there, they're going to squash somebody in 30 seconds, and then they're going to say their piece and call out a real uh, a real opponent, a real challenger, etc. But, little did we know, as Miro was coming down to the ring, that his opponent was Nick Camarado, who's a big motherfucker, who clobbered him in, in the uh, aisleway there and put the beat down on him for quite a bit of time. He recovered, they got back to the ring, and this was an actual match. And I love watching Miro kill people, don't get me wrong, it's like some, watching Samoa Joe kill people, it's like watching anybody kill people, it's like Lance Archer when he has uh, you know, a couple of uh, dummies in the aisleway that he beats up before he even gets to the ring. All of that is fun. But all of that is fun if you know they have a match like this in their back pocket where they can look a challenge face-to-face, -face, somebody that's bigger than him, and still beat the shit out of him. So this was way more fun than I was expecting when I just see an in-action uh, marquee. Obviously, he still got the win. Meat slapper of a match. Uh, super kick, game over. Miro gets the win. Thought he was going to cut a promo after. Didn't actually happen. We saw a video package on FTR ahead of their match with MJF and Cole. Now, here's the thing. I know to the victor go the spoils, to the victor go the titles, to the victor goes the momentum. The, the losers of last week's match were Bullet Club Gold, the winners were FTR. FTR now have this really, really cool headlining match once again next week against MJF and Adam Cole, who I haven't had a chance to talk about a whole lot because most of that story has happened on Dynamite and fuck Dynamite, but... They get this, and, and Bullet Club Gold that gave them their best match got the, the jobbers that we just talked about. That's maddening. Anyways, really, really cool video package on FTR and everything they've done uh, in sort of in AEW so far, leading up to the match. Uh, we're going to hear from MGF and Cole on Dynamite, so yay. Then we go to the Trios Championships, which is House of Black versus The Acclaimed and Billy Gunn. Now, I thought this was just going to be a quick exhibition for the House of Black, and it really was, because, I'm sorry, the Acclaimed are just there right now, which is which is a bummer. Um, House of Black mostly killed them until they got to the outside, and Billy Gunn, for some reason, floored Brody King, and I thought, that, that wasn't that wasn't necessary for this you don't need to put a ding in the in the armor put a ding in the uh, 
reputation of Brody King for Billy Gunn. Uh, people that know who Billy Gunn is know what Billy Gunn. He doesn't. He doesn't need to get over Brody King. I thought that was a really weird spot, but still. They mostly get killed. Black Mass to Billy Gunn for the win. House of Black keep their championships and basically fuck off. The Acclaimed start their way up the rampway. Like, kind of disappointed. Not really throwing a fit, but just like, hey, we gotta pick up a win soon type of thing. And they get halfway up the ramp until they realize Billy Gunn is still in the ring, looking really sad, looking really complex. Um, and then he takes a long time, it takes a long dramatic time unlacing his boots uh, to leave his boots in the ring, and, and anybody that's been following wrestling for any period of time knows that that's sort of like the, it's the silent symbol for retirement, it's why, you know, Undertaker left all his stuff in the ring, and then he had another match, I think, or so, um, so they go, um, the acclaimed on the rampway, they go sort of from the frustration of losing the match to like, hey, wait, wait, no, 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 it's, it, it's not that bad, man, like, don't do that, we don't want you to do that, and, um, the crowd's chanting, you still got it, you still got it. And he does, like, I'm sorry, I hate to put the precursor on it, like, oh, for his age, he's pretty good. But, like, fuck me, man. Like, for his age, he's pretty fucking good. And if we can give those accolades to people like Sting, also deserving, uh, then you can definitely give it to Billy Gunn. Um, they started singing the, the crowd started singing the oh, scissor me daddy thing, and Billy Gunn leaves his boots in the ring. The only thing about the, the, the cliche of leaving your boots in the ring, it means you're walking to the back in socks, which kind of looks strange. But it doesn't under, it didn't undercut the fact that, like, if this is true, this is pretty fucking sad. And it's kind of a bummer because it was kind of a nothing match. It's like, oh, cool, House of Black are gonna kill them again, and they did. So you did, you kind of checked out a little bit. I will say, like I said at the beginning, this was kind of a their show. I will say more than any other show that I've watched in a while, I did notice myself getting distracted, sort of checking Twitter, fucking around on my phone, making notes, etc. Uh, more, way more than usual. So whatever the drawing power of the show has been to this point wasn't there this week. Again, got to admit that, got to be fair, got to be honest. Um, but it's kind of like, here's this match that I wasn't really giving that much about, and then you tack this emotional ending on the end, and it just, it was kind of jarring, if that makes sense. Then we got Tony Schiavone back in the ring to interview FTR, and this was an interview of two halves. One half was awesome, the other half I didn't write down because I was like, oh, fuck me, I don't need to hear any of this shit. They touch on the great match they had last week, and then they touch on, when he's asked about, when they're asked about their challenge, obviously, with MJF and, and Adam Cole, the first thing they lead off with is, hey, we got... We got real issues with Ozzy Open. We got real issues with the Acclaim. We got real issues with the Bucks. When they said the Bucks, everybody booed. That was fucking hilarious. And he says, these are all real teams. But next week, we've got MJF and Adam Cole. And what, they go on to imply that, you know, they're not really a team. How could they possibly stand up to us if they're not really a team? We've done this before. We've done the MJF thing before. Remember the pinnacle? Adam Cole, do you really, you know, basically doing what Roderick Strong has been doing, except Roderick Strong's looked really pathetic in doing it, uh, how, how, how you possibly think that you can trust MJF? And then the microphone gets handed over to Dax, and he starts talking about rich kids that he knew was when he was a kid, and how he wanted to punch them, because, you know, that's how you solve problems with people, just because they have stuff that you don't. That's really a bad message to send if you're the babyface, not gonna lie. But he goes on this whole tangent about privilege and like beating up privileged 
people, and I'm just like, okay, I get it's 2023, we gotta do all the woke garbage, but don't throw the woke garbage on a team that I really like. Tuned out, tuned out for the rest of this promo. The first bit, you know, negging them, like, are you a real team? Look at all these real teams we fight. You guys aren't a real team. Hey, MJF, remember the pinnacle? Like, that's, do that shit. Like, that shit made sense. That shit built towards the match next. Don't tell me, oh, I don't like them because they have more than me, and blah, 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 and privilege, and other magical fairy dust Easter Bunny bullshit. I'm sorry, you're FTR. I'm pretty sure you're not doing too badly for yourself. Sorry, but it's true. Um, speaking of token women matches for the night, Taya Valkyrie versus Sky Blue. Now, this was a really long, short match. And I know that sounds funny, but this was a... this was basically a squash match for Tyre Valkyrie that got stretched out long enough that we could not call it a squash match. Sky Blue is definitely their underdog uh, of the division that they're pushing right now, and she's great. Tyre Valkyrie, I liked her in Impact. I liked her for the little bit of time that she was Frankie Monet in NXT, although that didn't really go anywhere, and I've liked her since she's come to AEW. Um, really, really cool. Th they tried to add some story to this on commentary by saying that Sky Blues wanted this match for a long time. She had always looked up to Taya Valkyrie as she was starting her career, which was fine. So they had a little bit of a, like a hero student thing, but immediately it was broken off by Taya Valkyrie basically starting the match saying you should have never met your hero. Um, she gets the obvious win, which is fine. Sky Blue did not look bad in defeat at all. I'd love, I'd love for them to give her something more substantial to do than to be the person making somebody else look good. Dolph Ziggler can be Dolph Ziggler because Dolph Ziggler's already kind of had a career. Don't make somebody that hasn't even had a chance to have a career yet a Ziggler because that's really unfair. Uh, randomly out of nowhere, she grabs the microphone and challenges Britt Baker to a match on Dynamite, which it's... I get that Britt Baker is a former champion, but right now, I don't, I don't know. I said, I said Jamie Hayter earlier when I was talking about women's champion. I meant Tony Storm. Jamie Hayter is probably going to go get her title again. So here's Britt Baker, who is a former champion, but she's the friend of somebody who's actually trying to be a champion right now. So you want to take this really long winding road to possibly getting yourself another title shot, but she's kind of babyface, and Britt Baker is kind of babyface, so when we tune in on Dynamite on Wednesday, I will tune in to see the match, because I'm sure the match will be good, but I'm really curious as to what they're going to do with the character dynamic, because they're two, Taya Valkyrie and Britt Baker are two very big characters, like, like they have big personalities, I want to see where they lean uh, on the face, heel, grayscale dynamic if that if that makes sense i hope it does i'm rambling a lot because i'm trying to pull some conversational points out of something that really wasn't that much sorry to say it and like i say they did a lot of uh focus on willow nightingale earlier but that's not the same as having more than one women's match on a card it's giving the women's division focus which is a step in the right direction that's kind of awesome gotta give them credit for that and um the way they were kind of able to highlight the owen and their ROH brand by focusing on Willow Nightingale and all the different things she's been doing. That was awesome. It's not the same as having a second match on the show. I'm just putting that out there for what it is. Darby Allen and CM Punk versus Ricky Starks and Christian Cage, not Luchasaurus. Um, 
Funny right off the bat because neither one of the heels wants to get in the match to the point where the referee th threatens to count them both out. Um, eventually Ricky Starks gets in the ring and we start off where we left off last week with a little bit of CM Punk versus Ricky Starks too until CM Punk pulls Christian Cage into the match. Punk and Darby, to contrast their opponents, are working like their old friends that ta have tag teamed every week forever for their entire lives. Luchasaurus, I'm sorry, um, I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, you know, the size of the wrestler matters and whatever, but Luchasaurus is the biggest guy at, in, at the ringside area, and he's the one that's not in the match. So to see him looming in the one corner as the person not participating in the match was hilarious to me. As I said before, Christian Cage wrestling in his sleeveless turtleneck. Um, they said on commentary something to the effect, I don't even got, think they got the full joke out, but he says he wrestles in a turtleneck now because he's making people twice half his age look bad. I don't really know that that makes any sense, if I'm perfectly honest with you. Scorpio Sky is looking on. They made a, they made a point of mentioning on commentary his history with the TNT championship, and when you have the TNT champion at ringside and the next contender for the TNT championship in this match, makes sense that Scorpio Sky would be, but he just kind of looks like he, he's sitting up there watching the match looking like he doesn't give a shit, which isn't a good look for the match. Um, highlight of the match is a ridiculous top rope dragon sleeper style DDT by Darby Allen that just looked like a car crash without a car. Uh, GTS on Christian on the outside, but Starks rolls up Darby Allen with the rope and the heels get the win. And they, they said it perfectly on commentary. Uh, you know, if it happens once, it's a one-off. If it happens twice, it's starting to be a pattern, which is their way of saying, if you haven't been beaten over the head with it already, this is your heel Ricky Starks period. Uh, they went through very quickly uh, what's going to happen next week, the two main things that are going to bookend next week's show. Obviously, you've got FTR, uh, sorry, FTR versus uh, Adam Cole and MJF for the tag team titles because they won the Blind Eliminator and because the... Apparently, the Better Than You Baby shirt is the highest selling shirt on AEW shop. I don't know whether that's been brought up and put into the news to uh, overshadow CM Punk, because he was that for the longest time, but it's really weird that you would advertise a thrown-together tag team that's going to break up eventually and going to be your world title feud as having such good merch sales, and I'm saying that in tight air quotes, if you weren't trying to neg at the guy that did have your highest merch sales for a long time. So that may be a little bit of pettiness on AEW's part, though I can't prove it. FTR versus Better Than You, Bebe, for the titles is going to be awesome. You know what else is going to be awesome is the, the little bit of news they gave us at the end of the night with Andrade being banned from the ring last, or from the arena tonight and not able to come after the House of Black and get his mask back. We're going to get Buddy Matthews versus Andrade next week with the rest of the House of Black, I think barred from ringside, in a ladder match for Andrade's mask. That match is going to fucking own. And here's what I'll say about that. Here's what I will say about that. As much as I am looking forward to FTR versus Cole and MJF, that match is going to, as good a match as it's going to be, it's going to be more story than match. Put that match on first, put the ladder match on last. And yes, I know more people care about the first one, but the ladder match could kick ass. And I have to say this once again. I have to say this once again. It's super unfortunate that they're both in the same 
faction, but uh, Buddy Matthews and Malachi Black, when they were on Raw as Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black, were in a feud on Raw for weeks that was just Raw had nothing else to do, and these guys were really awesome together. And they just put them out there and put them out there and put them out there until this match that happened because nobody cared became something that somebody cared about and became something that the crowd cared about and became something that Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy, you could tell, were starting to care about because it really could be something. You could have a shocker like that next week if you give this the main event spot and people start thinking, oh, they're putting this in the main event. Obviously, this is going to be really good. Buddy Matthews, Andrade in a ladder match. That can't miss. They're fighting over the mask. There's the inbuilt logic of, you know, luchadors and how, how closely tied to their personalities their masks are and all that. Basically, anything that you hear the commentators say ever when Rey Mysterio has a match or Evil Uno has a match or the Lucha Brothers have a match or Axiom has a match or Dragon Lee has a match or Bandito has a match or who the fuck was the guy on ROH on Friday? Uh, Gravity. He's going to fight Pac on Wednesday because Pac is the guy that Gravity forgot. AEW had one joke this weekend, and they told it a hundred times. That's all I got. You know what? I'm done. This is the end of the review. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to you in every last one of you later, but right now, I'm hanging out.